Welcome to Chapel of the Lake in Lake St. Louis, Missouri. The Chapel family is a multi-generational community of believers who gather weekly to worship and explore God's Word as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as Pastor Keith Spa opens the Scriptures. The Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. There has never been a time more significant in earth's history than the three days that encompass Jesus' death and his resurrection. The Apostle John understood that reality when he wrote his gospel relating the life of Christ. He devoted over a third of his gospel to those three days, beginning Thursday evening, because in the Jewish reckoning, the new day begins at sundown. So our Thursday evening is actually the beginning of their Friday. And John spends chapters 13 through 20 on those three days. Here at the chapel in the last few months, we've spent actually 10 weeks looking at John chapters 13 through 17. They're the last eight hours that Jesus spent with his disciples. Precious time, precious hours as he sought to prepare them for what was coming, as he communicated to them things they needed to know. Eight precious hours before he was arrested. So it's fitting today that we come back to John's gospel to finish the story, to pick it up where we left off. As Jesus had finished praying for his disciples in John 17, and he begins to head to the Kidron Valley, across the Kidron Valley, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there we will hear the story this morning of his arrest, his trials, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. In the early centuries of the church, very few believers had access to their personal copy of Scripture. And so when they gathered together as the family, when they would gather in their churches, it was a precious time because it was there that they would listen to the Scriptures being read. And I thought this morning as we come to this text and it is a narrative. It is a, a first-person account as the Apostle John relates to us what he saw, what he heard, what he experienced as Jesus was arrested, tried, convicted, crucified, and as he rose again. And I decided this morning we would do something different. Rather than me reading a portion of scripture and then droning on preaching for an hour or two. (laughs) I know that it seems that way to many of you, I'm sure. I thought this morning, let's just step back in time with our early church predecessors and let's listen to the scripture. I've asked these dear folks to come and read to us John chapter 18, 19, and 20. And so let's prepare our hearts right now. Tune your mind and let's listen to the word of the Lord. When he had finished praying, 
Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given to me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. And Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good for one man to die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. The girl at the door asked Peter, You are not one of his disciples, are you? I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. And Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I have said. And when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? If I said something wrong, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him, still bound, to Caiaphas the high priest. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. 
Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. (laughs) But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then. You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? And with this, Pilate went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, No, not him. Give Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, and they went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And when Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. But when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back inside the palace, and he asked Jesus, Where do you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone Anyone who who claims claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, 
He brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of the preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. But they shouted, Take Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! him. Pilate asked, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We We have have no king king but Caesar. Caesar. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing all that was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken 
and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Now both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, tell me where he is, and, and I will get him. Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rob, 
Bonai. Which means teacher. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We heard the words of John when he said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. I sense that John was wanting to tell us so much more about Jesus. He was, I think, a little frustrated. In the last verse of his gospel, he says, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In other words, I think he's saying, I want to keep going, but there simply isn't enough paper. There's not enough ink. And I don't have enough time to cover the material. There's no way to exhaust the subject to fully tell you all there is to know about Jesus. And so John wrote the last verse that was read to us this morning, verse 31 of chapter 20. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In other words, what he's written here is sufficient. It's enough here for us to understand who Jesus is. 
there's enough here to understand that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of God. There's enough here for us to understand why he came. He gave to give his life as a ransom for us to pay for our sin. There's enough here for us to put our faith in Jesus and to have life through him. Just hours before Jesus was crucified, he and his disciples were gathered there in that upper room celebrating the Passover meal together. You recall, most of you I'm sure know, the Passover was that holiday the Jews celebrated the feast where they remembered God's deliverance of his people, Israel, from slavery in Egypt. God was about to unleash upon Egypt a plague that would result in them being set free from slavery in Egypt and be sent on their way back to their homeland, the land that God had promised to them. This plague would result in the death of every firstborn in the land. But God instructed the Israelites. He said, you take a lamb. Every household, you take a lamb, a perfect lamb, and you kill it. And you take the blood from that lamb and you apply it on the doorposts of your home. And then you take that and prepare dinner with that lamb and you eat together this Passover meal. He said that night when the plague of death would sweep over Israel, every house with the blood applied, the angel would pass over that house. That's where the name came from. And indeed that's what happened. The Israelites were spared, those with the blood on the doorposts, they they were spared and the the Egyptians couldn't wait to get rid of the Israelites. They said, go on your way. They gave them money and gifts and said, leave on their way to the promised land. That night in the upper room as Jesus and the disciples were going through what's called the Seder dinner, the remembrance of, of this Jesus said, as he took this bread and broke it, he said, this is my body broken for you. And as he took the cup after dinner, he said, this is my blood shed for you. And what he did was give us understanding that God, the master author of history, in writing human history there, he put a foreshadowing, a picture there of what Jesus was going to do. For over a millennia, over a thousand years, the Jews had celebrated this meal. And Jesus now on that night before his crucifixion said, was saying, this is about me. Jesus came to be the Passover lamb. The lamb who would die to set us free from slavery to sin and from sin's penalty, which is death, it's hell. Jesus was going to provide new life, eternal life in heaven. That's why the prophet John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus right at the beginning of John's account of Jesus' life, as Jesus was beginning his ministry, John the Baptist saw him and said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin 
of the world. There's an important truth we need to note here. Going back to Egypt when that Passover night, it was not enough for a lamb to be killed and for a family to have dinner. They had to take the blood and to apply it to the doorposts of their house for them to be spared. So it is with Jesus. Jesus came and He died and He paid for our sins and He rose again from the dead, guaranteeing that His sacrifice was accepted by God, sufficient to cover our sin, and as well guaranteeing that Jesus' promises were true. When He said, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in Me will have everlasting life. Jesus' sacrifice does us no good if His blood is not personally applied to us. We might wonder, how does that happen? It's not by taking of communion. It's not by joining the church. It's not by doing some religious ritual. It's not by doing good deeds. The Bible and Jesus could not be clearer. Jesus said it this way, a verse you probably already know. John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. True faith is really simple. It's just putting our faith and trust in Jesus. But it also changes everything. True faith changes our values, it changes our perspective, it changes our ambitions, it changes our desire. A few verses earlier, Jesus described what a result of such a faith looks like, what it does. He called it, just a few verses earlier, being born again. That's the result of faith in Jesus. So this Easter morning... If you have yet to do so, I urge you, and the Scripture calls for you, to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to own Him as your Savior and your Lord. For there is no other way of salvation. There is no other way for eternal life. See, back in John 3, it was a man who came to Jesus looking for, how can I get to heaven? His name was Nicodemus. Jesus said, unless you're born again. Because no one gets to the Father. No one has eternal life unless they trust in Him. So if that's you this morning, I call for you to trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You for sending Jesus. Thank You for His sinless sacrifice. Thank you for his precious blood applied to us, which has washed us white, which has cleansed us from the stain and the penalty of sin. Thank you for his resurrection, the guarantee that even as Jesus has risen from the dead, so we also will rise to live forevermore to enjoy the wonders and the glories of eternal life and your presence forevermore. May Jesus be exalted and praised in this remembrance and also in our lives, in the week ahead and all the days we have until the day when he returns and we see him 
face to face. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you as you grow in your walk with him this week.